Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Hello, friends. This is Caleb Suko, host of the Now is the Time podcast, coming to you from Odessa, Ukraine, to tell you that you are listening to one of my favorite podcasts on missions, the Engaging Missions podcast with host Brian Ensminger. Welcome to the Engaging Mission Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Hi, and welcome to the Engaging Missions Show. This week, we're going to talk with our guest about mentoring and about inner city ministry, and we're going to hear from Jenny Beth Gardner. Uh, she shared a little bit of information by email that I thought was really appropriate, and I wanted to share that with you as well. Show notes for this week will be found at engagingmissions.com slash Chris Tress. So stop by for links to the resources, the stuff that we talked about. I hope that you really enjoy this. All right, let's get started. Our guest today is a is a minister in the inner city of West Palm Beach, Florida, and he and his wife consider themselves to be missionaries into their community. He was actually with a ministry before called Urban Youth Impact, and as part of that, he oversaw discipleship and Bible studies, recruiting, all kinds of stuff related to that. But then at one point, he was actually challenged to start a church that targeted their community. And back in 2011, he actually ended up stepping down from his position at uh, at Urban Youth uh, in order to be the full-time pastor of Bow Down Church. So Chris Tress, it is wonderful to connect with you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate and look forward to, uh, to speaking to you. Oh, this is, this is an absolute blessing for me. It's just so cool to connect. Now, I've taken like 30 seconds and summed up uh, a lot of years of ministry. Uh, and as I'm wondering, as we get started, would you mind sharing with us a little bit about uh, yourself and your family? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, my wife and I, we are, are been married since uh, 2003, um, and uh, we have two wonderful children, Christopher and Riley. Christopher is an 11-year-old uh, uh, boy, and, and Riley is a little girl. She's uh, she's 10 years old. And so, uh, yeah, that's kind of our, our little family here. And uh, we've been uh, living in the inner city of uh, Cameron Avenue uh, community, um, for, as a, as a married couple, um, since the first year of our marriage. And so, uh, so it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun and, uh, yeah, we're just, um, are having a great time doing what God has uh, called us to do. That's great. And you know, one of the things I was thinking about is most people, when they think about missions, don't think about urban USA as, as a missions field. What led you in that direction? 
Sure, sure. Well, you know, I I, I define a missionary as um, uh, basically someone who ministers cross culturally, um, and so so my wife uh, is one hundred percent Irish, and uh, in fact, her her mom still has the accent. Um, and, uh, you know, myself, I'm, I'm Hawaiian, but, uh, also, uh, white, I guess I would just say. Um, and so we minister cross culture because we're, we're in a predominantly African American community. And, um, the other thing is we, we reach out to unchurched, uh, an unchurched community and, um, we live in the community. Uh, and also we are planting, we, we planted a church, which is bow down. And so, uh, those three, those three things, um, you know, I think qualify us as missionaries. Now I always tell people this as well. Hey, it's, we have air conditioning, uh, we live in a home. Uh, and so I don't put myself, I, I don't go around saying I'm an, I'm an urban mission, you know, uh, but uh, basically it, that's the qualifications. And so, um, and I hope that answers your question there. Yeah, that's really intriguing. And, you know, as I'm thinking about that, you with a Hawaiian heritage, your wife with an Irish heritage, and then in a, in a largely un, unchurched community with a much different demographic, if you will, what kind of challenges do you face in your regular daily life? Any? Sure. Um, yeah, because, well, I mean, there's, uh, you've seen Ferguson, uh, happen. Uh, most Americans, you know, seen what has happened in Baltimore as well. And, yeah. Um, no, we're, we're in a, a time and place in our country where, um, you know, things potentially could get volatile, uh, have become volatile. Just, just one wrong move, uh, one, one, one instance and things can kind of flare up. You know, we do an outreach in a housing project called Stony Brook. And in that housing project, there are 400 kids under the age of 18. Wow. There is, there is only one, uh, there is only three dads that are on the registry in that whole entire place. There's not one married couple. And so you think about that for a second. These are all single moms, 400 kids under the age of 18, and only three dads live in that entire complex. But no, not one, none person married. Now, that is a, uh, I don't, I don't know if our country really realizes what's going to happen if, if say, um, you know, welfare runs out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know if, uh, people really understand, um, the, the kind of stuff that's going on. And, and, you know, one of my guys who, who is a friend of mine, he, uh, was a missionary in the Sudan and he, he actually said, Hey, you know, it, sometimes it's easier going across the sea and going to different places, but right here, and so these are, these are volatile areas. You know, we've had 50 shootings, this summer in our, in our four square mile area here, this is summer and we had eight murders. And unfortunately one of our kids, uh, Johnny Davis, he was in our mentoring program for seven years. He was gunned down and, and, and murdered this summer. So, um, uh, these are high, you know, high crime areas. Um, you know, the, the boys are more likely to go to, to jail than, than graduate high school. And this is a real huge problem. Um, that our country has not really faced and embraced. And unfortunately, um, the people sometimes that are on TV speaking for the inner city are, are what I, I use the term, um, uh, it's, 
kind of poverty pimps, if you will, mm. where um, they come in because they get grant money and, and, and other kinds of resources. But when the grant money and the funding runs out, they leave as well. And so, um, so kind of a lack of commitment and there's, there's mixed motives and stuff like that, that goes on. And, and unfortunately it's the, the, the younger generation and these kids that, um, that are suffering. And so uh, if we don't get in there, if we don't reach these kids, then the cycle of poverty where, where these young men are going into prison, where these, these young girls are getting pregnant um, you know, welfare and, and, and government aid and, and all that stuff. It just continues to, to multiply and multiply. And so um, that's why we feel very called and passionate um, to, to really lay our lives down in order to, to reach this community um, that oftentimes, um, you know, we uh, minister um, uh, by a, a uh, I don't want to, I want to throw anything <laughs> under the bus. <laughs> Let me just say this. Most people tell folks, Hey, go around Cameron. Don't, don't come down. If you get, if you catch yourself in your car in Cameron, just run the red light and, and, and get out of there. Well, Hey, this, that's the story of the good Samaritan, right? Yeah. Two out of three people walked, they walked around. And, um, uh, right now in America, the most segregated time is Sunday morning. And there's this huge divide. And, uh, man, the church is the answer. The church and the people of Jesus are the hope of the world. And if we don't solve this problem, which we have not, you know, that's a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King. That Sunday morning is the most segregated time in America. Guess what? It's mm-hmm. still true today. Still true today. And so that's that's the specific call God has given placed upon our, our, our uh, you know, my family and, and myself that, that we've got to begin to attack these problems uh, because unfortunately for the most part, the American church has, has gone around the other side uh, like the, 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 the Levite and the, uh, and the priest and the good Samaritan story. And they have not engaged. Um, we have have, uh, you know, it's like um, in, in Acts chapter uh, eight, Jesus says, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the world. We've mm-hmm. sent missionaries to the ends of the world, but we've skipped over Samaria. Mm-hmm. We've skipped over the, the ones that were the discriminated culture, and we've jumped right over them to go to the ends of the earth. And so um, I, I pray that there's just an awakening in our country because Ferguson and Baltimore, that is going to continue to happen unless some of our suburban churches say, wait a minute, this is our responsibility. I went on a little rant there, but uh, (laughs) please forgive me. (laughs) No no problem at all. You know, as I'm thinking about that, um, I'm thinking about, you know, me or somebody like me, you know, there's, there's such a tendency to look at something like that and either to turn your eyes away and say, well, that's not, that's not real or, how could I ever possibly deal, you know, how, how could I ever possibly make a difference? How do you deal with the reality of the world around you in, in living in the kingdom at the same time? How, how do you deal with that emotionally, spiritually, physically? How, how do you get through that? Yeah. Well, you know, there's a, there's multiple, um, and multiple answers to that, to yeah. that question. Obviously, you know, obviously it's my faith in Christ. So, so versus like, Hey, if God is for me, who or what can be against me? Um, uh, so, so that, that's that reality that he's never going to leave me or forsake me and go make the disciples. I'm going to be with you always. 
So, so those are foundational things that we have to, you know, really begin to grab hold of the, the word of God and it becomes in us. The, the word becomes flesh and dwells in us so that, so that it moves us. And so that's the foundation. That's, that's how I continue to move forward. But, but also there's a calling mm-hmm. where, where through the years, God has really confirmed a specific calling for me. Um, and, uh, and so I'm just ob- obeying that as that continues to unfold. Um, also, um, there's, there's certain stories and certain things that God does along the way that have really continued to break my heart and give me compassion to do and to continue to do what he's called me to do. So I think those three things, um, have encouraged me on, if you will. Okay. Now, as, as you think about your life and your ministry, and we'll probably kind of tie a bow on this section after this question, but I'm just wondering, is there maybe a meaningful verse or a meaningful scripture that's really been foundational in how you approach your life and your ministry? Um, yeah. I mean, there's, it, it, it's probably no greater love has, has anyone had than when you lay down your life for your friends. And, um, you know, another one is Acts 20, 24, as, uh, as Paul says, Hey, I, I consider my life worth nothing to me in order that I may, may share the gospel and, and, and proclaim this gospel, um, that, that Christ has, has laid out for me. And so, uh, you know, there was a, a situation where I went into a, my first inner city house, actually, that, that I took a kid home. He had accepted a Christ at a, at an outreach. And this was, I was just a volunteer then. And, um, I went into the home. Hey, where, where's mom? I want to meet her. I want to introduce myself to her. Well, we don't know. We haven't seen mom in, in two days. Okay. Where's dad? No, there's no, no dad, mm. uh, no furniture. Uh, looked in the, you know, in the fridge, there's a, there's a, like a ketchup bottle there's, there's 10 kids in this house. One of them, the youngest was wearing diapers hmm. and I, I, I'm just, my heart's just starting to break. I, I go back outside to my car and I'm like literally, um, almost in tears. And, uh, that, that's, that's the, the, the verse, you know, will, will you spend your life? Will you lay down your life? Will you, uh, because <clears throat> there's not a lot of people Okay. That, that, that are going to say, you know what, my, my life, I'm going to walk away from, from everything and, and, and spend my life for these kids. Will you do this for me? And, uh, that was, that was part of God's calling. I've got many other stories about a young man getting, getting shot and killed, um, and, and different things like that, that God really confirmed that. But, but in essence, that's the, that's the, the, the verse. Will you, will you lay down your life? Will you lay down your life? And, um, yeah, that, that's, that's the question for everyone that's called to ministry to answer because you, you have two types of ministers. You have hirelings, mm-hmm. John chapter 10, right? Where people are doing it because it's a job. And a lot of times people get called on to a different ministry. And well, a lot of times the other ministry is paying better and has better benefits. And so, uh, not to knock anybody ever get, gets a better job in ministry, but we've got to ask those questions, right? The, the, the other kind of person is, is a true shepherd that will, will not leave his sheep and will not leave the flock that God has called him to, 
Um, and, uh, and, and if he does leave, he would, would never leave unless he has a shepherd to care for the sheep. And so that's the, the verse that, that just kind of reverberates for me is that, am I willing to lay my life down? And, um, you know, as with myself and, and with my wife as well, because she, she had a, a, uh, she had a really good job. She, she you know, she was making uh, 65 grand a year and, and she took a job down here at our ministry making 18 grand a year and she had to raise it, you know, and, um, that those are the kinds of, uh, sacrifices when you're going to come work in the inner city. Uh, my first year salary was $10,000 a year and I had to raise that myself, you know, and, uh, I had to make that decision to walk away from a job making 60 grand a year, potentially more, more than that. But, uh, that's part of the calling. Are you going to die to yourself for the benefit of these, these, these children in this community here? So. Wow. That's, that's good. And it's a really good question to consider if you are feeling called into the ministry. In, in fact, I would say it may, might be one of the questions to consider. With that, we are going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit more toward the ministry itself. All right, I have a special treat for you today. This is ordinarily where you would hear Scott McClelland with the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment. And if you'd like to catch that, you'll find it at engagingmissions.com slash leadership moment. But today I want to share what Jenny Beth Gardner shared with me when I asked the question, what takes the most time from the important things in your life? And I think it's good to share because her answer was deep and insightful. It hit me and I think it might be valuable to you as well. So when I asked her what takes the most time from the important things in your life, she shared that God has just the right amount of work for us to be able to use us and to make us into who he wants us to be. However, we do find that there are challenges, right? And and she summarized at least the way they kind of hit her. One of them is just allowing disappointment to grow into discouragement. And when we do that, it begins to make everything exhausting. And then the other one is just allowing a worldly mindset to fill us with anxiety and to fill us with the wrong priorities. I don't know about you, but as I look at my life, I can definitely see times where I did allow discouragement to grow into, or disappointment to grow into discouragement, allowed myself to become stressed because of my perspective on things, filling myself with a mindset that was focused on success or failure or sacrifice rather than just being obedient to what God had called me to do. And then she outlined, and I'm so thankful she did this. She outlined some ways that she's been able to address this in her life. And at their core, they just come back to remembering our first love and keep coming back to it. Just like in my marriage, I have to remember my first love and I have to keep coming back to it. But that has, that put, God puts legs on that. He allows us to walk that out. So we do things like being determined to seek God and being very careful to set aside that time in the beginning to make that a priority rather than trying to wedge it in between other priorities. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't schedule things. I know that I schedule things, and I have time focused. I've put these things in my my schedule to make sure that I spend time with God. It's probably not as much as I could, maybe not as much as I should, but I I do put that first, and I hope that you do that as well. 
And then she also just offered a piece of encouragement. If it seems like we can't hear from God, she said that, you know, sometimes God seems to go quiet because he wants us to learn to listen better or to listen in a different way. I hope that you were inspired and encouraged that perhaps God poured something into your life because of what Jenny Beth Gardner shared with me. If you'd like to know more about Jenny Beth Gardner or about the Transformational Education Network, which is who she's with, visit 103.org. That's T-E-N, the number three, dot org, 103.org. With that, we're going to go ahead and get right back into this week's episode. All right, we are back with Chris Tress and just heard some great stuff, some really good things to consider. Now, as we shift our focus more toward the ministry, Chris, I'm interested in hearing a little bit about what God has you doing in the ministry right now and what things are exciting you. Sure, sure. Um, well, we are, uh, yeah, we just, as, as I said before, you know, we, we planted in uh, 2011. So we're, uh, in a little over five years now, and so that that's exciting. And um, uh, our church is continuing to um, to grow, um, and not not necessarily as I'm looking for numerically, but but grow in tra- in transformations. Um, we have uh, probably about a hundred and fifty adults coming on Sunday morning, and probably about eighty uh, children, and so um, uh, on a weekly basis, we have. Um, outreaches in our inner city. Um, and we have about 200 people coming to our outreaches on a weekly basis. And so it's one of the things I'm really excited about as a church is that, you know, we have more people in our outreaches than we do on our Sunday morning church service. And so, um, I, I feel like that's a, a really healthy, uh, balance. And so I'm just so, uh, excited that our church is so missional and people are, are, are engaging missionally in the, into the lives of, of un, unchurched people. Um, we also have uh, a discipleship program that's a really intense discipleship program. It's called Project 516. And we've purchased a number of homes here in the inner city. And uh, students, uh, young single people, um, you know, college age or after high school age, they move into our house. Um, it's completely free. We, we don't charge any rent, uh, electric. We pay for their food because Jesus never charged his disciples to follow him. Mm. And so they move into the inner city. Uh, they get discipled by me, uh, by a few other leaders. And um, um, this, last year they, they memorized the book of Ephesians in 10 months. Uh, this year they're memorizing Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And so um, they also go through a number of different uh training and, and teaching and topics, but also, you know, we go on prayer walks and we go on evangelistic, uh, things and, and we do outreaches and they serve the community. So it's a, it's a great balance of classroom, but also in the street stuff. And the, the thing that's different than like, like seminary, you're, you're never going to go lay hands on a prostitute with your seminary professor. Probably not. <laughs> you know, he's got a hundred plus students, but here we're going to talk about it, then we're going to go do it. And, um, and, and also not only, you know, Jesus, he did it, he modeled it, then he let them do it, then he critiqued them. And so that same kind of principle and process that Jesus uh, used was what we're trying to use. It's not only that are we going to teach you, but we're doing it alongside of you and walking with you 
And so, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's, man, that's, I am so excited about that project five sixteen. Um, that is like my favorite thing. Cause it was basically developed, man, how would Jesus do ministry down here? What would it look like? And so that's kind of what we've, uh, continued to, to come up with as we're learning how to, how to really make disciples like Jesus did. And, uh, it's just been amazing. I've probably gotten more than the kids <laughs> have, have uh, received. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of what's going on, um, you know, w- within our ministry. And on Sunday morning, we're, we're picking up on our bus about 50 unchurched, um, people and bringing them to church every Sunday from our outreaches that we're running. Uh, we also have a mentoring program as well. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, I constantly say is we cannot continue to do Sunday school like we've always done it. We have to get these children connected with a mentor. And the reason why is probably about 85 to 90% of the kids we work with have no father in their home. They need mentors. We just can't keep doing Sunday school class and think that that's going to happen. We have to identify and, and not only identify, but spiritually adopt these children. Look at them as if they're your own kids, like Paul did to Timothy, my true son in the faith and begin to walk through life with them. And so mentoring is one of our, our core values as a ministry. And so we, we, we really, really push that. And, um, you know, we have a, a low, like Sunday morning is not the big, the big deal for us. We're, we're not flashy. We're not trying to be, you know, all fancy on Sunday morning. What's, what's important for us is, is what we are, what we're doing in the week um, in the community and how we're making disciples. And so, um, you know, another aspect of our ministry as well is we have, uh, prayer times, um, that we are doing from nine o'clock to, to 10 30, um, throughout the week. Uh, and then we just started a new one, 11 o'clock to 1230, where people can come to our office and just pray. And so we're hoping to uh, begin to expand that and get to a place where we have prayer going on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, where people intercede for, for the community, but not only this community, but the community at large. So those are some of the things that, uh, uh, you know, our ministry uh, doing, and, and ultimately it's our goal to begin to plant churches, raise up in, uh, leaders and plant churches in in urban poor communities. And we've identified a number of those uh, communities in Palm Beach County uh, that are just like Tamron Avenue. Um, and we, we want to send uh, people to plant church specifically for the urban poor communities. And so there's a lot of churches that are being planted everywhere, but a lot of them are being planted in suburban communities. And so, but we feel called to go to the poor, to the poor. Uh, because there's not a lot of church planners that are going to the poor. We've covered so much. I mean, we could probably sit here and talk all day. Um, and obviously yeah. there's no way that we can do that. I'm wondering, you mentioned that mentoring is a really big deal. Do you, is there maybe a story that you could share with us about how mentoring impacted somebody or a, a group of people? Sure. Sure. Well, you know, one of my favorite stories is, is my, my wife and, um, you know, she met this young girl, Madonna, um, who uh, she still mentors to this day. Madonna was 14. She's, she's now 27 years old. Uh, Madonna was one of 19 children. 
And um, Madonna was the, uh, Madonna, when she was 14, she lost her mom to HIV. She lost her brother to HIV in the same week. Wow. I'll never forget my wife, and she wasn't my wife then, but watching Madonna and Colleen just, just, just be together. And um, uh, my wife just continued to be faithful and committed to Madonna, no matter the, the tr- struggles and, and trials. Um, Madonna was the first person in her entire family to graduate high school, John A. Leonard High School. And uh, not only that, Madonna went to college, and she got her four-year degree. First, obviously for, you know, first to do that as well. Um, but through it all, Madonna went through some hard struggles and hard times where Madonna was shot, almost killed. She was, uh, uh, got into the wrong crowd. And my wife remembers going to the hospital to visit her. And there was just a darkness in her room when, when, when Madonna was shot. And, uh, my, my wife just continued to, to, to encourage, continued to walk with her. And then just a, a few years ago, you know, Madonna had a prodigal story, just like a lot of us, but she's come back. She's now working in the, uh, at Urban Youth Impact, which is the ministry that I was at uh, prior to launching uh, Bow Down. And um, she goes to our church. She still meets with my wife. And, um, you know, even, even in, she just put on her Facebook a few months ago, because I forgot about this, but it was real encouraging to me. She was talking about real, you know, real mentors and real people that are in your life. And uh, we had asked Madonna when she was struggling through some hard times to move in with us and our family. And she didn't want to do it. And but she never forgot that, you know, um, and, and, and she, you know, it just just pointed to her that that hey, the love of Christ here is always willing to bring bring people in, you know. And um, and so, yeah, I, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a phenomenal story uh, about just one life. So that's why, uh, you know, we believe wholeheartedly. I mean, I, I could give you all the statistics <laughs> of kids who have mentors and, uh, but you know, people can go get that themselves. It's, it's, it, there's no contest Men- mentoring works. And when we look at Jesus's ministry, he spent three years with 12 people. So, you know, we, we, we think of the 5,000, we think of the big crowd. That wasn't his focus. His focus was on, tw- on the 12 and he poured everything that he had into them. And so I was at a, a recent meeting with the mayor of our city and she's, the government just did this study and what they've come up with is, and they're, they're spending thousands and thousands of dollars. That conclusion, we've got to start mentoring these kids. I'm like, duh, you just read the Bible. That's <laughs> what Jesus did. So, uh, Anyway, yeah. So, so yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that's why mentoring is a passion uh, for me, and the and the people that I that I see make it, and that make it in the inner city, and that made made it in the you know in this context, they've had someone to walk alongside with them that says, "I will die for you. I'm committed to you. You are like a son. You are like a daughter." And success in ministry, as I tell this to our, to our volunteers, it's when a kid says to you, you're a father to me, you're a mother to me, because it's, it's moved beyond uh, a program. It's moved beyond a, you know, it's real now. And so, and and that's how uh, Jesus looked at on the last night in John, John chapter 14, verse 18, will not leave you as orphans. You guys, you guys are mine. And, um, and that's the goal. That's the goal of making disciples 
people know they're in your family. They're part of your family. We're part of the family of God. And so, um, so anyway, yeah, um, that, that's good stuff. Uh, with that, we are going to need to go ahead and take a quick break. And then when we come back, there's at least one other thing I'd like to focus on before we start talking about resources. All right. All right sounds good. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the engaging mission show. And if I died that day, I'd go to hell. Even though I had prayed so many times, nothing had ever changed in my life. And I called out to God and I said, God, have mercy. God, just forgive me. Come in and change me from from the inside out. Take my past and present and future and do whatever you want with me. And this is what happened. It's like the spirit of God came into my life. It took out that heart of stone and gave me a new heart and heart of flesh and new nature and everything changed. All of a sudden, I love God. All of a sudden, I desired to follow him and obey him. And I had a desire for reading the Bible. And I, all I wanted to do from that moment on was go out and, and just live my life for Jesus and, and, and encourage other people to do the same. You know, that what Jesus did for me happened over 35 years ago. And, and it's so real. And he wants to do that in your life today, too. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. All right, we are back with Chris Tress. He's just shared a lot about the value of mentoring and a stellar story. I think that was amazing. One other thing... Chris, though, that you talked about that's really kind of got my heart is you talked about segregation on a Sunday morning, that that's when the world or the United States is the most segregated. And I know that this is a big passion for you. What are you doing to bring multiple races and cultures together? Well, you know, the, the first thing is that, um, uh, you know, if you, if you come into our, you know, in, into our church, um, we have a you know, a ratio of, uh, you know, basically 50, 50, we get folks coming in from, in from suburbia that, mm. that feel like they want to be missional and, and we give them an opportunity to, to be a bridge, if you will. Um, and so, so we've done that, but, uh, I mean, I, you know, I think that, um, <clears throat> the faithfulness and the long Jevity of being in a community that's not your own with the heart. Hey, we just want to help. We just want to serve. We just want to, uh, uh, empower and equip. Um, we, we are the hands and feet of the Jesus has, has, has really dispelled. I, I can't tell me, you know, how many times a young kid said, Hey, my, my mom, my grandma told me not to trust white people. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> we're not going to break down stereo types by just coming in doing a Thanksgiving thing outreach or a Christmas outreach one year, but it's a face-to-face longevity where you prove by your manner of life that you are here and that you are sincere, that it's not about you, you know, and that, that, I think that's the thing, the thing of love. That's a hard work of love, the agape love, um, that often, you know, we, that's why our outreach is we, we show up every week. We don't, we don't just do an outreach once a month or, you know, uh, back to school, you know, that, you know, giveaway that, that doesn't work. That does more for the person that's doing it right. than it is for the people in the community. You need to show up every single week, you know, 
So, so faithfulness and, and, and coming to serve, I, I think that's extremely important. Yeah, you know, one of the things you mentioned that really kind of piqued my interest was that you have people coming in from the suburban areas as well. And, you know, I've always kind of had this opinion that the church should reflect the community around it. But the problem is if the communities are segregated, then you never actually get to interact with other people. Is is that how you found things as well? Oh, totally. Definitely. And that's why for me, as I started serving as a volunteer living in suburbia, raised in suburbia, um, I noticed right away that, you know, hey, we're preaching this gospel and an an outreach, and then I leave to go home to suburbia. And um, that's why the Lord began to put on my heart, you know, I, I referenced it earlier, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus came into our situation. And so as a young single guy that was volunteering, me and a few other buddies, we moved into the inner city here. And you know what? I patched up a bullet hole on my roof. Um, uh, people are getting shot and gunshots going off. And, you know, we're, we're here now. And now it's not a us, them, but it's a, it's a we. And so now not everybody can do that. Okay. Sure. But I, but I believe if you're going to be part of, 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 of changing things. There needs to be people that, that really begin to invest, uh, in the community and say, Hey, here I am. And, and it's, it's like in a, in a war, right? You, there's a beachhead Uh and somebody has got to take a certain area and, and plant down and, and work out of that certain area. And, um, you know, um, so that, that, that's the thing I try to challenge our, our volunteers. Hey, listen, it's, you know, God might not call you to, to move in, but he, but can you start mentoring a kid? And it's in the process of mentoring an inner city kid that you begin to get your heart broken. And, and as you walk with God, who knows where he may lead you and guide you, you know? And so, uh, it's not that everybody has to move into the inner city. Um, but you know, some, some people do, you know? So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm wanting to shift my focus a little bit more toward our listeners and toward some resources. And what I'm wondering is, sure. do you have a resource or a tool, a book, something that you'd recommend for our listeners? Sure. Um, you know, certain books, uh, so one guy's name is, uh, Dr. Keith Phillips. Uh, he is, uh, he's not a well-known author, but he's been doing inner city ministry in uh, Watts since, uh, the sixties. Uh, he, he has some great books. One of them is called the making of a disciple. Another one is called out of ashes, uh, that really give a great perspective on, on, on inner city life and, and really understanding it. Um, anything by John Perkins, um, who's an amazing, uh, man who, who actually, you know, suffered, uh, in some of the civil rights, um, marches, beatings. Um, so he's awesome. Um, you know, and, and then I think for the inner city itself, um, you know, books, uh, like, like, uh, uh, up from slavery from Booker T Washington. Listen, hmm. if our government read that book and implemented what they, what they read, it is a blueprint, um, to, to change inner city America and, um, spe- spe- specifically the African American plight that one book there if people got on if people read booker t washington's up from slavery that book has has all the answers 
um, to, to change everything and to start implementing. And so uh, that's one of the things I'm going to be doing this August is doing a book club uh, for, uh, for our young inner city uh, kids from 10 to 10 to 14 that they read up from slavery, that they read the book on, on George Washington Carver and these different books um, to hopefully help them to not be discouraged and believe amidst the, the travesties and the unfortunate racism and prejudice that people were dealing with back then. And we have it really good in America, really good free education. These, these guys had to pay for their own education. Um, anyway, so, yeah. Um, it, yeah. Clearly a wealth of resources, right? So we, right, we're, right. We're, we're just about done. I'm wondering, do you have maybe one last piece of advice you'd like to share and a way for people to connect with you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, our, our, our website is, um, you know, bowdownchurch.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can call our comp, uh, contact in, information is, uh, is on there and, you know, just, man, continue to, to pray for us, uh, without the prayer support, um, uh, that is, that is so needed in what we do and the wisdom of God. Um, and we, we won't be able to do anything out down here, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we depend solely on, on God's move. And, uh, you know, if anybody feels like it partnering up or getting with us, that's great. Or if not, we would love to, to, to come to your area, uh, to help you, um, you reach out because I, I, I would I hope and believe that, that there's people that are listening that, that want to do something in the inner city where they live. And, and I'd, I'd love to, uh, to, to come and to help out. Um, because I'm a, God's called me to be an advocate for, uh, for the, for the poor, the, the poor in America uh, compared to Haiti. They're not poor, but, uh, you know, there's, uh, uh, you're poor if, uh, if you don't have a dad around, you know, you're, you're poor. If, if you live in an environment where it's, you're more likely to go to jail and graduate high school. So, um, so that's what we, we really want to be about. So. Wow. Chris, thank you so much for those of you listening, all the links and resources and everything will be available in the show notes, which will be at engaging slash Chris Tress. Chris, thanks for making the time to do this. It means a lot. This has been wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. It's been, it's been good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'd like to say a huge thank you to Chris Tress for taking the time to do this. I thought that he shared some wonderful stuff that I I hope you found valuable, something that challenged, encouraged, inspired you, something where you were able to receive from the Lord. As I mentioned, the show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash Chris Tress. And I did want to mention before we go, I do have a deal set up with Audible where if you've never tried out their service, you can download your first audiobook absolutely free by visiting engagingmissions.com slash free book. Now, if like me, you're thinking, man, I'd love to be able to listen to the Bible on the go, maybe while I'm driving or working around the house or something like that. If you'd like to fill your life by being able to listen to the Bible, stop by engagingmissions.com slash free book and simply choose the Bible as your very first download. It's depending on which version you get, you could be talking like 90 hours of audio Bible, absolutely free, just for trying it out. That's engagingmissions.com slash free book. And then don't forget to stop by next week when we're going to hear from Jacob Bach. He's someone that I knew when I was growing up. He's been a missionary for quite some time. And man, did he share some amazing stuff. So don't miss it. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. 
You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.